I'm not sure who you've spoken to, but they can almost tell you how to get there. <laughs> 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 I you certainly s- have an opinion. Did, did you say that on behalf of your, your own boss? Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but on this weekly podcast, I chat with the true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO to share their marketing street knowledge. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests, and all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. It's Saturday the 13th of May. I hope you've had a great week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark dives into how to assess the capabilities of your marketing team. I go backstage for a fun chat with Rias Kanani, founder and CEO of Radiate B2B. And I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash MPN to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash MPN. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, The Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge from our resident rockstar CMO strategy advisor and former Forrester Research Director. Welcome to the studio. Before you go out and order pizzas for your family tonight, <laughs> we need to talk about some marketing. 
Uh, hello, Jeff. Um, and for the listeners, I've just shared that uh, Friday night for me is pizza and movie night. And uh, we're recording this on Friday, the 12th of May, 2023. And it's 25 minutes before I order some pizza. pizza. All right. And we get maybe cracking. at the end of the show, you should tell us what you're watching for the, <laughs> the movie, too. I haven't decided on the movie this week. Um, so there's nothing big coming out, I don't think, this week that we're we're anticipating. But um, oh. yes. Okay. That's all right. And sometimes what we do, actually, um, maybe we'll just talk about movies instead of the weather. But sometimes uh, I start the Amazon and then I and then we just roll the dice. So like I get a, a 10 sided dice on the Internet and then we watch something random, which might be sometimes wow. you find an absolute gem. Absolutely. Sometimes you watch the, and sometimes you watch some absolute shots. Yep. <laughs> Let's get out the but, DVDs and pop something in we watched yeah, 10 times yeah. before. Yeah. Plus, we've got all sorts of rules. So we don't watch a sequel unless we've watched the first one. Uh, we don't watch what else? Uh, we don't watch a movie that anybody has seen already, and all that kind of stuff. So wow. it's it's seren- it's random to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, and we've done it since the kids were little, so it's fun. All right. So anyway, let's get back to the topic of Mark. Oh, by the way, quickly, how is the weather? Great. <laughs> sunny warm lucky you. yeah we're having a bit of a mixture of sunshine and showers mostly bloody showers um okay so um yes let's get back to marking so last week uh we covered the five effing fundamentals of marketing ops or the five effing marketing fundamentals oh uh, yes anyway they were they were the fundamentals of marketing operations and we touched on uh our team's capabilities and we use the phrase that people will be very familiar with, the people process technology and data. And uh, you added analytics. You've written in here in the notes the bit I'm supposed to read that says I added analytics. I didn't. You oh, yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and um, and so we discuss that. And luckily, we managed to step over the um, the rabbit hole, which is how do you then decide where the challenges are? And so we agreed this week we would talk about having a capability gap analysis and look across all of those things. Something that I think we agreed was the CMO level concerns. So yes. What say you, Jeff? Well, I think, you know, and maybe when we were talking about this last week is that, you know, you could take any one of those capabilities, people process technology, mm-hmm. data analytics, mm-hmm. and, and you can kind of do your, you know, your, your single focused assessment. Like, let's do a tech you know, let's do a tech assessment and see where our gaps are and stuff like that. But I think the reason I was thinking that this, when you've rolled up to a CMO level concern, it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, either I just got this job or we're off on a new year and we got some new mm-hmm. goals and I, and given my charter and the plan we just started working on, do we have everything we need to be successful? So let's kind of mm-hmm. pull the lens back and, and say, you know, um, you know, can we assess our strengths and weaknesses across these capabilities and see where are where the issues that we've got to solve for? Yes, I love this because I am actually a CMO, so um, <laughs> I, I get, you I identify get, I get with some, it. Yes, I get twenty minutes of free consulting, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, so, <laughs> and, uh, so you, you've identified a number of steps, and I only know this from the notes. You've got seven steps, and I don't even think you even tried to get this down to I didn't, five. I, I, I couldn't. Really it was impossible. <laughs> but I couldn't go over seven, so therefore. <laughs> so, um, so where should we start? What's the first step? Well, I think that the, you know, where you want to start 
in in and you know from a planning perspective this may seem like you're you've already like a couple steps into the process but you want to say mm-hmm. you know what are our goals so you know assuming that you know you've in the planning process you've kind of figured out what the company strategy and goals are your own priorities marketing's objectives and then mm-hmm. and then it's across each of those uh, you know kind of business objectives you want to say okay what's marketing's role and goal to actually help you know accomplish right. accomplish this and okay. and so that's the the first thing is to is to kind of itemize those and and as we were talking in past episodes of you know you, this isn't a list of yeah. 12 things this is a short list because you want to make sure you're you're doing this at a level where you're t- really talking about the, the the small number of things you're going to do they're going to have business impact mm-hmm. and what and try to get to you know what are the capability gaps and dependencies that we're going to have Yes, and having done a couple of episodes on OKRs and goals, I'm I'm worried that the listener is going to be think we're absolutely obsessed. We're with with, with goals uh, and strategy. But this is, I mean, it's where it's always a good starting point. And the thing yeah. is that, like, so when I was doing uh, at Serious Decisions, we were doing tech assessments for companies, and, and and I was involved in a number of these kind of broader capability assessments. It's always like, okay, you got to give me your goals. Because if if yeah. you if you don't give me your goals, then as I go into the discovery process, we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I I it's like I don't know what to, you know yeah. how how you know do you have everything you need to accomplish this goal? Do you mm-hmm. what, what are the gaps to accomplish this goal? How do we get you better? And mm-hmm. you so you have to have it up front, or otherwise you're just going to get people you know in a bitch yeah. session. What I. Well, and I mean, the way you set this up, which I really like, is the fact that this is a CMO level challenge because we're looking at capabilities across the whole team. And I think if we were to do an episode and talk about the first 90 days, and I know that our friend um, Grant has, uh, well, my former boss, your friend, um, <laughs> has talked and about former boss. On, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's former boss of yours. Yeah, but his, what's his, his remind me, his website is CMO, CMOmentor, isn't yes. it, .com. Yeah. And he talks about the first 90 days. And I think, you know, that this is right in there, isn't it's it? It's right in there. What are the goals of the business with your first, first 90 days? So um, what's your second step? Well, is to build a matrix because so now that I've got my goals, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be able to, basically look at so for every goal what are my capabilities mm-hmm. across the people process technology data and and the ability to, to do an, an analyst analysis mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. and so for each of those you may have there may be a couple of sub goals you know like if you're getting to things that have to do with uh, you know opportunity creation you may have things that are like well i've got a set a sub goal around digital and sub goal around the right my field marketing team or you know events whatever it is that that you you want to look at the capabilities across you know for that goal and you want to have a column for what the recommendations are cuz cuz in this matrix you're going to say okay I signed up for you know uh, a goal around generating a certain percentage or influence mm-hmm. a certain amount of opportunities and I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to show the capabilities the issues and maybe highlight some of the things we have but I want to come up with a list of recommendations and and there may be multiple, you know, if I'm yeah. trying to think matrix wide, so every row might have multiple recommendations. Um yeah. but but ultimately you're you're trying to pull out of the detail the the um the really the the things that you need to work on. Because you won't That's be able to work challenge. on everything. 
Yeah, that's the challenge with radio versus TV, isn't it? That we're trying to convey a matrix through the yes. art of audio rather well, we than will, draw it on a whiteboard. We, we'll we'll the, blog this and uh, and throw a table in it. Yeah, yeah. but um, so when you're saying here about goals and capabilities, are these the capabilities you need to achieve those goals? They're not the capability. You're not on. You're not now thinking about the capabilities you have. You're thinking about the capabilities you need. If I've yes. got this yes. correct, yeah. Where, where okay. are the gaps? So, yeah, so this is like the how, isn't it? And yeah. the how are you going to achieve those goals, right? So that's your second step. So you've built this, you've, you've identified the goals, you've built out what it is you need to achieve those goals, the capabilities you need. What's your third step? So, and, and maybe we could cover the third and fourth step together because just to save a little bit of time. But the first, so so next, next you're going to go into discovery. So, mm-hmm. and the reason I kind of listed as you know discovery step one discovery step two is that the first thing you want to do is talk to the internal customer for that goal so if it's about opportunity creation your first customer is going to be sales uh if it's about brand you know there may be other people on the executive team for whom you you want to talk to as the internal customer and say in your you know from your perspective what defines success for hitting this goal what's working you know, what are the yeah. challenges you see into how we deliver on this goal successfully? Yeah. So you're, you're, you know, it's like, it's like doing, you know, consumer research where you're talking to the people mm-hmm. who buy the product and get their impression. And typically the one of the other reason for separating this from the next piece is that they're not, they can't, they may try to, but they can't really tell you how to get there. They can just tell you what's working for them and what's oh not God. working for them. I think, Jeff, I'm not sure who you've spoken to, but they can almost tell you how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly you, have an opinion. <laughs> did you say that on behalf of your, your own bosses? <laughs> I disagree no. with you. <laughs> no, I think, I think this is just a common refrain for us marketers, isn't it? Everybody knows yeah. how to market. So yeah, everyone yeah. knows how to do it better. So you split the discovery steps three and four into two. One of those is to talk to the person that we're delivering to, the internal yeah. customer, and also talking to the person who currently has to do the delivery right yeah and you know so sometimes it's the you know we might think the cmo might say well who owns this goal you know if i go down my you know half dozen goals and i'm going to say okay digital guy owns a portion of that of uh of the opportunity creation field marketing owns a portion of that so comms is going to own a brand goal Mm -hmm. so you're going to talk to you're going to Get your 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 leadership team or whoever you think is owning this goal to mm. ca- kind of get to from your perspective. You know what's working now. What challenges do we have? What would you do differently? Um, because you're now you're focusing on the how you get to the end game, uh, and and so you know, for one, mm. they may be the best people to answer the question. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, it's just, it's part of good due diligence. You know, if you, if you try to come with an answer of here's what our gaps are and here's what mm-hmm. we, here's what we do well, here's what we don't do well. And you don't include the person who owns that, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to get them on board with a solution. No, I li- and I like this because also you're going to find that would be really interesting is that gap between the person who's receiving the service and the person who's providing the service. Yeah, that gap in how that service delivery is actually perceived, and 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 it could be, and and I also think that goals is a really interesting conversation to have with a group of people because this is where we find where the, those kinds of challenges are in the communication. 
isn't it? So yes, so there, they so that was three and there was steps three and four, which were two slightly different discovery steps. What's your fifth step? Well, is to as I put put a def- identify the dependencies. Mm-hmm. So when I've worked with clients on on um, on planning and you know creating your master plan, it's like okay, you got your business objectives and your priorities. Have you set goals? And so now it's like, okay, there there are going to be things that have to happen in order for us to reach those goals. And so the process mm-hmm. we just kind of walk through of you know build a matrix, do your discovery, gives you some Bing honking spreadsheet <laughs> with a lot of <laughs> which a lot of things to uh, that are possibilities to to work on. And so yeah. what you want to do is you want to up level those so that you've got something you can put into the planning document. You know, if you're trying to like fit the plan on a concise page and say, yes, I will sign up for that brand goal, but mm-hmm. I need to have the resources to do whatever the brand research. I have, need to have the resources to impact our our press and our influencer uh, relations or, you know, whatever those elements are that you've that you have turned up that are high priorities. And this is really, you know, where when you create this list of dependencies. Um, you're going to have to go through an, an, another step to make sure you're, 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 you don't have this gigantic long laundry list and you're really focusing on, focusing on things that are going to help you, uh, you know, right. execute on the plan. Right, right, right. So, and, and those dependencies uh, could be things that are happening outside the marketing team, right? So Absolutely. I mean, it yeah, could be yeah. your ability to hire people. It could be, I need yeah. something from sales in order for, in more for me to be yeah. my goal. I need something like if you're in a, yeah, yeah account-based marketing. I need a account yeah. list in order for me to be able to execute and hitting on account-based marketing goals. Mm. Those are very no. you know, typical things. Yeah. So, right. So we've identified the goals. We've built this matrix of how, what capabilities we need as a marketing team to achieve those goals. We've done our discovery and understood the current state, I guess, right, of 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 where where we're at, what works, what doesn't work, both from the person who provides the marketing service and the, and the consumer, and then we've identified what those things outside of marketing that we can't control that we're dependent on. So those are our first five, and I should really stop there because because we normally do five steps, but I'm going to let you carry on, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And we've got so what's your we, and we've got time left on the clock know, as far as I'm observing. I was well, only kidding. That's that's. <laughs> I, I I have to watch the clock differently when we've got seven steps to when we've got five. So yeah, what, yeah. what's our sixth? Step? So the so the next step and and it, and it's it's something. I, mean, I guess I could have rolled this in under the other step, but it's at some point you got to prioritize. So if you think about how you know we we were build this matrix has a long list of recommendations. Now we're going to take the really the key recommendations out and we're going to stick them in our planning document to align them with our goals. Uh-huh. And now it's like we really should because everything takes takes effort to do and everything has a different level of impact so if you if you think about you know your your um, business positive business impact and your level of effort as being in kind of a high medium low uh um quality quantity or quality Mm -hmm. then you know you should rank these things so that you could Mm -hmm. say you know you could you could you know create a little graph where you could say here's the things that we know that with you know reasonable amount of effort will have a big impact. Here's things that have you know uh, yeah. you know whether it's too much effort, but maybe we have to do them, or things that are going to have uh, you know uh, uh, you know not going to have a lot of impact for the effort. Mm. And so you can kind of 
because what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to address, you know, what is most important to do now versus what do we maybe try to address later in the year. And, and so, you know, prioritizing the recommendations is really going to help the people on your staff try to make sure that, that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the things that are going to have the biggest impact first. Yeah. So, but when we, you just mentioned recommendations and just to sort of place this in the mind of the listener, you, we, we built the recommendations when we built that matrix of goals versus capabilities. And then we had recommendations for, so were, were the recommendations then come out discovery steps? So then what, how we recommend us recommend what it is that we need to focus on where, where where did we develop those recommendations i think yes we developed them in the in the discovery process mm-hmm. and so now you're just you're you know you've you've extracted out things that are kind of obvious mm-hmm. in terms of our dependencies for you to execute on your goals mm-hmm. and now before you get into planning how we're going to address those mm-hmm. you want to do a, an, an impact versus effort analysis is kind of like just it's saying you know, it's like from a technology perspective, here's the tech we need to buy. So what's the ROI? And I'm going to do the things with a high ROI first and do things right. with a you know lower ROI later or put them in a plan for the future. Right. But or to use your example earlier on a sort of lead generation, you've talked to sales, you've talked to the people with the leads. Sales have told you the leads are weak. Right? And, you, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to change the process in some way. And your recommendation is we need to change this process or we need to have a different um, different process around that. So it's not necessarily just about tech. It's some of it is our oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. okay cool so that's the first six so we prioritize those recommendations so what's step number seven well it's kind of the last step is just you know you've you've got to put the plan in place right. to to address the goals yeah. so you know who are the team you know or who are the team members we're up the, the upskill who owns that you know is there technology we need to buy who owns that you know are there processes we need to review and optimize you know who owns that so it's just it's you know, it's said it's it's you know when you've kind of ended the highest level of the planning process, and now you got stuff you need to do to make sure that you're you're addressing these dependencies based on how you prioritize the recommendations. So now it's off to the next process, yeah, which is yeah. planning and implementing change. Yeah, cool. So that I mean that pl- prioritizing recommendations almost builds the plan for you, doesn't it? So that's a good part of that process, and also. Um, when you were talking about dependencies, clearly, as we're putting the plan together, we need to identify the risks. So if we especially if you're bringing change, right, and one of those risks yep. could be, you know, like, um, you know, it could be that business as usual needs to be maintained. and but Or could be yeah. products that uh, were to release mid-year yeah. uh, or get delayed to the following year. Yeah. And so anything about launching or revenue around the new products right. will become right. hard. To, and one of the things, you know, and I know we, you know, we've been talking about recommendations to prior to uh, fulfill gaps and then prioritizing them and stuff like that. It's it, the thing is, as you're aligning these with the goals, you are not trying to use these as excuses for not hitting your goals. You're just trying to make it very clear. Yeah. I'm setting a goal, you know, it might be a big ass goal yeah. and I'm setting it with these things I need to address yeah. so that, you know, I have it clear in my mind of the, what we need to address. And then if something isn't going to come through, you know, like the example with a product Mm -hmm. doesn't get launched on time, Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, now I got to figure out how to go back and adjust, Mm -hmm. adjust my, you know, my viewpoint, my goal, just my business objective and goals, et cetera, Mm -hmm. 
So I have something that I actually yeah, is. Can be- yeah, and no, I completely agree with that. I mean, you you can't, and and also that's part of that communication to the C-suite that we're always talking about, isn't yep. it? Is is helping them understand where the challenges are. No, like you say, it's not a an excuse. It's uh, it's it's how do we plan around this thing not happening or happening, whatever it is. All right, so that's fantastic. So those those are your seven steps, and as you said, you're going to share these in a blog post, which I shall we shall discuss or promote on this very podcast at some point when you've written it yep. <laughs> or in our <laughs> newsletter, uh, which you can find on our website. Um, and which you do an excellent job on, I must thank say. Thank you very much. And then, yes, I'm trying to get back into the rhythm of doing it every Sunday. So if you're interested in more of what we do, but in fr- printed form, look out for, um, it's called Beat. And uh, you can find a link on our website or on Beehive, but I don't know how you get there. So just look at our website. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the can't remember the um, URL. Anyway, or follow so, you on LinkedIn, and you'll you'll yes. hear about it oh. uh, when it comes out. Or you, Jeff? Yeah. Or Rockstar CMO. Follow us on LinkedIn. And yeah, so that's all the promotion done. Let's get to our actual last agenda item for the day, Jeff. Uh, what song are we going for? Well, there's a song by a, uh, a vocalist, Nahiba, wow. uh, called Mind the Gap. We've been talking about gaps, yeah. how, to, how to identify, prioritize, yeah. address the gaps. Uh, and uh, she says, grab a seat in the world and have it your way. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to you're going uh, to you're going to address the gaps. You're going to complete it. You're going to execute mm-hmm. on your goals. You're going to be successful. And then as she says, have another drink on me. That sounds perfect for this podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. <laughs> yes, really. it, it was a, a, and it is nice because this is actually something you suggested. I hadn't come across this artist before, so that's going to be fun. Mind the Gap by Nahiba from 2012. I'll play out with that. And will you be in the studio when I visit you next week? See. See. All right, mate. Yeah. I'll see you then. Have a good one. Okay. Cheers. It's the incidental things. Thank you, Jeff. And that was a little snippet of Mind the Gap from Nahiba from 2012. If you fancy getting in on this free advice action and have a question for Jeff, maybe about a marketing challenge you're facing, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Right, time to go backstage with my guest. Riaz Kanani is the founder and CEO of Radiate B2B and, as you'll hear, has a history of building and scaling successful businesses, including creating one of the world's largest video advertising networks and as Digital Oxygen, building data-centric marketing campaigns before being acquired by Silverpop, a leader in B2B marketing automation at the time, which he scaled internationally, positioning it for acquisition by IBM. Riaz has sat on the DMA email marketing council, has appeared on the BBC, was nominated by Entrepreneur of the Year in 2019, recognised in the top 100 Asian stars in UK tech, and now he's on Rockstar CMO FM. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Riaz, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Really good. Jolly good. Jolly good. And uh, you are talking to us from London, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of London. Beautifully sunny today. Which is, uh, <laughs> it is. It's beautifully sunny here in Oxfordshire as well. So uh, we're off to a good start for a, yes. for a Wednesday morning. 
So um, so you are the CEO and founder of Radiate B2B. Sorry, no, you tell us a bit about yourself. Let's start <laughs> off with that. Well, I am indeed the CEO and founder. <laughs> I can't indeed. remember my own script. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, I studied up, um, gosh, um, it is six years ago uh-huh. now, which was like a lot, uh, uh, both a long time ago and like yesterday. Yes. Um, but... Um, I mean, I've spent 20 years in Martech. Mm-hmm. Um, about seven years ago, um, I was sitting down um, with a good friend of mine, and um, we were talking about all the different hot and cool and trendy tech, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. AI, Internet of Things, blockchain, <laughs> you, know, all yeah. you name it, right? And, and we have a bad habit of starting businesses. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and damn it what have you done again started a- <laughs> <laughs> well, both both our wives turned around and, 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 and said worriedly that uh, you two sitting down and, and meeting is, is, is never good uh, sort of thing but, but yeah so so we were sitting there we we're talking about it and and we were talking about marketing uh-huh. uh, b2b marketing um, in particular and we were talking about um a couple of things back then and it sort of evolved a bit over the years but um, you know, we were we were sort of talking about how much more it costs to acquire a customer versus mm-hmm. the years previous, the five years previous to that. Yeah. Um, you know, dramatic increases. Um, we were talking about how um, buyers were visiting websites, vendor websites, um, anonymously, mm-hmm. much more than they were previously mm-hmm. and um we sort of one of the things that was always my bugbear if you like about the martech um revolution of, of marketing automation mm-hmm. um, um of which my background was i sold a business to Silverpart, which became ibm right so yeah, yeah. i was obviously in the mix um when all that was happening and, and don't get me wrong i loved it i thought it was amazing um but i always felt brand got left by the wayside mm-hmm. um and uh, you know I, uh, I, was, I was always a big proponent of the importance of branding alongside um, that. and by branding i don't just mean advertising i mm-hmm. but I, I do um think a lot of the advertising side got left and so um we felt anyway so i'm getting going, going it's all right <laughs> <laughs> we felt basically buyers branding was going to become more important mm-hmm. that that period outside of your website um was increasing and in the year since we've seen stats from gartner that says yeah. now spend 17 percent of their time across all vendors mm-hmm. um very little of it is is actually touched on them. so and so you know we we've seen since that big tech companies have been buying publishers mm-hmm. and um you know most of us in the martech space can't afford to go and buy a publisher so, <laughs> so we need a different technique right yeah. and so and so that's what really prompted the start of radio b2b was this idea that top of the funnel was changing the bio mm-hmm. was changing and we needed to build a new type of solution that could both identify and then activate if you like right those companies so that they were going to be more likely to engage with you and have a conversation right so this is responding to uh, as you quoted that that issue that we have right now which is why we're being driven towards content marketing isn't it that people are doing so much more research and they're actually 
before they contact us. And so this is, and for people with a classic kind of funnel mentality, this is a almost above the funnel isn't it this is in the very widest top bit right that's right um we are um we're going we're expanding that funnel further up um, and and making it so that i mean in some ways you know companies who use our platform bring that sales development piece and that marketing function much closer together work much more um in tandem right uh, which of course in itself drives much better results um, which is handy um, um but yeah it, it 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 is very much a case of um collecting signals mm-hmm. outside of your website analyzing mm-hmm. them and then presenting the results of that back for right, right. action so the insights you get from those signals i imagine are, are pretty cool cuz um, are you are you understanding then individual customers that are then coming to market because there's lots of stats about how what is it like 15 percent of our audience are in market at any one time right it's a very small number yeah i don't know where i plucked that from i think it's gartner or somebody and then then is it also giving you insight into what are they talking about where are they hanging out what's the zeitgeist right now in that particular cadre of people yeah that's right so Mm -hmm. so um what we we're constantly looking for new signals, mm-hmm. um, um, but um, primarily people are researching and yeah. spending time um, across the internet. And so the more coverage you have across the internet mm-hmm. uh, is important. And so um, we partner with Bombora um, mm-hmm. to bring data from 5,000 plus publishers across. Right. We then bring in further data on top of that, um, as well as then data from your own website, mm-hmm. uh, and combine all of that together to then um, give you um, the bigger picture. Right, right. right. Um, but that on its uh, in itself is not, um, you know, it, it's great. We 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 give mm-hmm. you some information, we give you some insight, but um, but actually, um, you then need to activate it. And so, um, on its own, that's com- that can be quite difficult because the data is continuously changing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if the typical contract um, um, or the sales process is six months, um, which for a lot of B two B businesses that's the average. Mm-hmm. Um, some it's much longer, some it's a little bit shorter. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it in even when it's that long, um, week to week, we'll see changes in um, the companies that are showing research activity right um and and so um activating it can then be hard work right so if i tell you 200 companies are interested Mm -hmm. okay next week i'm going to tell you probably another let's say it's between maybe another 50 maybe another 100 um um, other times it might be another 250 Mm -hmm. um suddenly i've got this new list of companies now sales development very used to going in take you know prioritizing Mm -hmm. their time looking at the list and figuring out well who who should i go and target um but actually the the value alongside that is being able to activate all of those companies and and um going back to the funnel approach that you're talking about is to Mm -hmm. nudge people further along the funnel so that you can then um you know, follow up with messaging and and so forth. Now, um, but if you're going to do that um, uh, manually, that's not very scalable. And so that's mm-hmm. what platform will then automate is the delivery of advertising to those companies, either across the display networks or mm-hmm. LinkedIn. 
So that's really cool. So you're tying those two pieces that you're not only tying the insight together, which is who's interested in your products, who's it's that intent data is what we call it. That's isn't right. it? Who's right. who looks like they're in market, where, what companies are they from? And then rather than just dumping that on us and saying, go figure that out, your yeah. your platform then can then design an automated um, ad campaign against that group of companies and individuals and then start to target them right and then bring them into the classic funnel from that point, right? Yep. That's uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, very cool. And what sort of clients do you usually work with? Um, so it's typically small and mid-sized businesses. Uh-huh. Um, um, uh, if you like, this is this is one of my one of my bugbears. I mean, I guess <laughs> you know, if I look at if I look at if I look at the numbers on paper, and there's uh-huh. a reason why most of the Martech industry always goes after enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. Big enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's for the same amount of work you can generate much higher profits generally mm-hmm. but there's this huge hump of companies in the mid-market and and, yeah. um, um, and and even just below that which are underserved and mm-hmm. not typically able to access um intent data mm-hmm. and what we do is um make it um accessible to them through make it really easy to right. get started and really easy to activate so that's our target yeah um, obviously Oh, just one thing quickly. Obviously, yeah, yeah. all of these companies, I always forget this because it's obvious to me, <laughs> um, but all of these companies that are, you know, our clients, mm. potentially our clients, are selling to enterprise. So they're right. selling to mid-sized or large companies. Right. Because that's how our data collection works is we are able to track mid-sized, large-sized companies. We can't track small businesses. Right. Right, right. No, that's really, that, and I, I like that pride in the mid-market. I've, I've often, when I've been either working for vendors or uh, advising vendors, and that, that cry of, we're moving up to the enterprise, and you think, oh, God. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you, you know where your bread and butter is. You know these folks. You know that market. And if you can position your product and efficiently sell into that market, there's plenty of uh, success to be had there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So I always find that interesting. I think it's, it's a little bit of a... Um, it's a little bit of pride, isn't it? Like we're going to go up to enterprise because they're the sorts of people I want to hang out with. Whereas, that's right, that's as right. you know, that six months lead cycle turns into eighteen months, and all of a sudden you've you've got a chasm of, of revenue. It might be that there's the big deal at the end, but hey, in between time it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's um that's getting me and you onto one of our hobby horses. Let's jump off of that and jump back into <laughs> into the topic. So. So you're doing sales intelligence and intake. So you must have a point of view then on where we're going with privacy and cookies in the moment and how that impacts us as B2B marketers. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, that we're going to be flying blind. Um, yeah. You also talk about the dark funnel I've seen on your blog. So yeah. what, where, where, do you, where do you think that direction is going and how does that sort of impact the sort of work that you're trying to do with your clients? Um, so I think this is brilliant. Um, um, a lot of people don't I guess Um, but I think it's brilliant for for a couple of reasons one is um, I used to sit on the DMA email marketing council Mm -hmm. um, and privacy is a big thing um, there and it's always been a big thing for me like like, um, one of the things that I've always wanted to build was a a privacy solution for consumers and Mm -hmm. I've never quite worked out a path to actually go and do it but um, yeah but sat down with your mate then with that one <laughs> yeah, we have many times, but, but we've never figured out a solution that we thought would work yeah um um you know from a win-win scenario and that's what you yeah. need to make a successful business so yeah um, 
so yeah, but so I've always been big on privacy. So so for me, the idea that um, people are, are going to be more aware and in control of um, what is happening with their data is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the counter to that is, um, um, you know, you, you'll know these phrases, right? Is is do you want to be tracked? Funny enough, the majority of people say no. <laughs> do, you, do you do you want um, personalized, relevant information? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You can't have both. No. Um, and given the choice between the two, most people still veer towards I would rather get personalized, mm. relevant information. Mm-hmm. So that gets lost in the noise a little bit. Um, Google, of course, is dropping cookies, third-party cookies. Um, and for marketers, that's a massive, radical change. It's going to have impact across the industry. Mm. But I go back to why I think that's brilliant. As marketers in your careers, you very rarely get such big opportunities to differentiate or change change the way you execute on your marketing campaigns right. versus your competitors, right? right. We all right. end up doing basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's little nuances that makes us succeed, mm-hmm. right? Well, something like this is going to throw everything up in the air. And so the great marketers are going to be able to take a big advantage from, from this change. Yeah. Um, now, the, again, go, go back full circle, though. In a way, nothing changes, mm. just the character. In, in that, especially in B2B. In B2C, I think it's a bit different. But in B2B... Um, one of the things that um, I have a conversation with people and they will talk to me about how they want to go and target decision makers. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always, I need to target this list of companies and it's always funny how Apple will work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know the other candidates as well, right? Yeah. Um, but we want to target the decision makers. And it's like, well, okay, that's great. Um, you clearly do want to target the decision makers but it doesn't cost much more to actually target the broader buying group and actually that's much more important mm-hmm. especially at the early stages um, because the decision makers typically don't have the time no. and capacity to be able to pay attention to this so you you need to persuade the the broader buying group first and so um the great thing about getting rid of cookies is actually it's going to make it much harder for marketers to generally be able to identify specific people. So I actually think that's going to make marketing better because we're not going to all be throwing money at these decision makers and we're going to throw money at the wider marketing unit. So that's good. The buying unit. So that's good. Um, But, um, and again, for the most, for most companies, no exception, but for most companies, you know who your persona is. Mm -hmm. So as long as you can identify somebody's in marketing or somebody's in sales or somebody's in finance, which you typically can do, um, that is enough for you to be delivering a relevant message at the right time. time. We can help you with the right time. Um, So, um, so for me, I think that that helps. Obviously, if you don't have a well-defined persona um, and then you go and target the entirety of Apple, well, you're going to burn an awful lot of money, but you shouldn't be in marketing. You do. That's a good point. And what I'm hearing there are a couple of things. One is, is one of the topics you started off with, which is do you think it's the importance of brand is going to be it's going to be more important yeah. now, right? It's, it's we're not we're not able to do that targeting. And also absolutely agree with you. I think that from a persona perspective, if you're building your buyer personas, you need to think about who's influencing them internally, right? Because like you say, often the buyer isn't the one who first heard of the solution or knows even knows about the problem, right? They have to be educated by the people that they trust 
and a lot of those influencers are in their organization aren't they that's right yeah yeah so and so one of the things um, i think this is related one of the things i was reading well i know it is because i read the blog post um you're also talking about the dark funnel which yes yeah the dark funnel yeah so what, Um, what do you mean by the dark funnel the dark funnel is this idea um that a lot is happening um outside your visibility um and and so i go on about this idea of shining a light yeah. on the dark funnel, yeah. um, because obviously what we're able to do is to um identify browsing behavior outside of your mm-hmm. your website and typically as a marketer you get to be able to see you know how many ads you've served how many times they've clicked and so, you know, uh, and you'll see if they've converted. But, you know, the minute they've clicked, they, they've come into your visibility. And, and obviously, you know the impression, so you know that. But there's a huge amount now, especially um, especially today. And the reason why I say especially today is because the buyer is different today to five, ten years ago. So the big change, the big shift is that the majority of buyers today were effectively born with the internet right? right so they grew up with the internet and so whilst before we were all savvy about the internet mm-hmm. we didn't you know our day-to-day was was not really involving mm-hmm. the internet we'd, we'd come to work we'd use the internet we'd go home we'd switch off yeah yeah right buyers today communicate digitally they're very used to sending messages back and forth they're doing it both during the day and in the evening yeah. and on the weekends and so when they get to the point of they're interested in solving a problem, they're much more comfortable about going onto forums, into yeah. communities, and having conversations. Now, all of this yeah. is yeah. dark to the marketer. It's all happening, and of course, you know this concept in a way has always existed. Yeah, we call it yeah. word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Right? But the difference is, word of mouth was maybe this much. Mm-hmm. Dark funnel is now about this much, yeah. right? Because it's all you know. Go back to that seventeen percent spent with the vendor. Yeah, and that yeah. means eighty-three percent is not spent with the vendor. Where's that happening? What's well, happening on social media? It's happening in forums. Yeah. And so that's the dark funnel. Is all these um, comments and you know things like this, right? Yeah, these yeah, yeah. podcasts. Um, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day about AI. Someone mentioned a tool. Um, and I went off and checked out that tool. Um, That company will probably attribute that to Google search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and a couple of the things I talk about a lot you're touching on here. One of those is that all this waffle about how buyers have got no time anymore and that we've all got the attention span of goldfish is absolute bollocks. Because like you say, once a buyer is in, is trying to solve their problem, they're researching in the evening, they're on the forums, they're doing all that. You're absolutely right with that. And so I, and I, I think that, um, and this idea that people are like at work and at home too, right? It's just we're human to human. You've got to be interacting with them and all that stuff. Right. And also understanding where that's happening. Where is it we need to be? Where do we need to hang out? Where do we need to um, to, to meet those? those yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely perfect. Well, when, um, I had loads of other questions I wanted to ask you because I know you've had a fascinating career and I'll have to have you back on because you were early in video. I, we, had a, we had a lunch yeah. and you told me all about that. That was fascinating. And I also, yeah, normally 
I like to ask my guests about their career, but it's just gone wrong. So I'm going to leap to our final question. Uh, we have a regular <laughs> feature, the Rockstar CMO Swim Port, our portal to marketing hell, where we throw all the bullshit snake on overhyped trends that plague this industry we love. What would you chuck in there? You know, I love questions like this because I sort of, there's so many things I want to throw in there. There's so many yeah, things yeah, that yeah. You know, I remember big data back in the day. You could argue AI today. Yeah. I talk about email open rates are always my bugbear, yeah. right? Um, because, of course, they're not measuring open rates at all. Mm-hmm. But and so many people I still still today think an open rate is actually somebody opening an email. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as down, the fact that images were downloaded. Yeah. Um, so there's all these things. But, you know, I where I got to is I love it. Um, um, I think it's what makes marketing in a way um, enjoyable to be in because all these things, every other day, there's a new piece of research that's probably not accurate, but hints at something that might be interesting or there's a new piece of tech, right? And all of these things get overhyped, underhyped, and there's a market role is to figure it out yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> so it's basically you just like to spend time in our pool and have a look at all this stuff that That's people right, are checking yeah. in because you That's you know there's <laughs> there's something in some of these things so <laughs> i think that might be the best answer i've had you're not actually chucking anything in you're just fascinated by what's in there <laughs> <laughs> i love it thank you very much riaz and when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you mate uh, always LinkedIn. Right. Good show. Yeah. Best place for me. Um, I um, am easily contacted. Right. And your website is radiateb2b.com. Um, I don't know, really. yeah. Good show. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes, of course. And it's a great pleasure. And like I say, definitely going to have to have you back, Riaz, because you've had it. I really, <laughs> I, I really love um, chatting with fellow B2B veterans like myself. <laughs> <I'm a> laugh. <laughs> so, all right, mate. I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. I look forward to it. Cheers, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Riaz. Always enjoy sitting down with him and geeking out on B2B tech. We'll definitely have him back on the show. And of course, I will include all his links in the show notes. Right, it's time to wind down the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, Chief Troublemaker of the Content Advisory from Cocktail to the Mars. Robert, what are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. And hope you know it is <laughs> every time you surprise me with the music that you have changed over. I love how you change I... formats. <laughs> Let's get this right. I surprise you, you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is correct. It's always surprising to see how you find some of the most interesting genres of music. I didn't even know German reggae existed. Um, but it does. A German reggae. Here we are. We've got, we've got Germans up on stage singing reggae music in German. That is fantastic. Um, you've turned the whole place into a Rastafarian bar, but a German Rastafarian bar. And I am... I'm, I'm just very impressed. My friend, if you've not seen the latest praise of Rastafarians in Lederhosen, mate, you haven't lived. That's it. 
that is that is really it. It is it is Rastafarians and Lederhosen, and you know, and speaking German, right? Where yes, you know, German absolutely. words can can German words can sometimes be you know, nineteen or twenty different syllables. So, uh, you know, getting that into a reggae beat is is no small feat. So it's it's uh, it's actually quite impressive. Um, yeah. yeah. We we do have a lovely drink tonight. We have a lovely drink for uh, okay. for the weekend, um, and mm-hmm. it's just a great. And I discovered this. So last um, we talked, mm-hmm. I was just fresh off of the uh, Content Entrepreneur Expo yes. or the Content Creator Expo, uh, depending yep. on the way you CEX, which is Joe Polizzi, my little friend's uh, mm-hmm. event. And I had spoken at that event, and at that event. I was turned on to a cocktail that I had never, I, I had surprisingly never had before. And it doesn't it really have a name, as uh, apparently, oh, wow. um, or at least not a name that these people knew anyway, but they were very <laughs> anxious to tell me about it because, uh-huh. uh, you know, because of my love for tequila. Yeah. And so it is a very simple, very, very simple drink. It is simply tequila uh and mm. reposado would be your the right uh yeah. the right um uh level to to use here as yeah. is, is in most mixed uh drinks so yes. your reposado tequila and prosecco so and that's it it's just a little tequila a little prosecco and then mm-hmm. we experimented both with lime and without lime <laughs> i preferred it actually without lime um it tastes a little like a skinny margarita but it is it's just really Lovely. Nice. It's just a lovely drink, and it's just very simple. And no, no, uh, no ice in this. So you chill it and shake it, and then pour it straight yep. out. Prosecco and uh, tequila, and it's a, you know, it's a lovely drink. Wow! And it hasn't got a name. I think it needs to be christened. I, it, I, no, I'm sure there is a name for it, but how I about, don't know what it is. How about how about sex in Cleveland? Like C E X. There we go. There you go. See, I should have been there, man. I'm your creative wingman. Sex in Cleveland, and and the joke would be, of course. The sex in Cleveland is something that's uh, that you rarely get. Would that be the, the, the drink that you rarely get? Uh, you were there, mate. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to give that a go. And as we have established on the show a number of times, that uh, the uh, the most English of tequila episodes is, of course, Hendrix Gin. So I shall. Of course. I've already I've already sneaked some ice in without telling you. So I've just. Uh, Oh my god! How much gin did I just put in that? But yes, so I, I've done go. that, and and then um, prosecco, which um, we obviously, you know, there's no very diff- little difference between prosecco and a nice cucumber tonic. Didn't get any fizz out of that one, uh, and then um, so I'm going to pop that, pop some of that in there. This is, and I think for a change, my uh, drinks might be uh, my drink might have the same colour as your drink, pretty much. Oh yeah, I, I suspect it would be very close. Mm. It depends on the prosecco, of course. Yes, that, but that's delicious. I, I love that. And we, uh, what are we calling this? Sex in Cleveland? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're, calling it, we're calling it a prosecco and tequila at the moment because that's the best thing we have to call it. But yes, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write. Who is it that names the cocktails? Is there like an authority that you have to write into? To um, I to don't get think your, there is your... an authority on the matter, but yes, I think you can call it anything you like. <laughs> well, whatever we call it, mate, it's delicious. I could drink one of these every week. So um, when we are doing the having these drinks, uh, where are we going to this week, mate? We are are going mm-hmm. to uh, head out. I've, I think what we're going to do is just head out to the beach. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to head up uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit north of where we normally go. Um, uh-huh. And we're going to because this is a it's a beautiful time of year at, in the nor- what we call the North Coast country, um, yes. and it's uh, you know just right along the California Oregon border. And there's a number of little towns up there, and it's surprising there's no big towns up there. I mean, the, you, you know, you get up to Portland is going to be your next sort of wow. big, big, big city yes. there. But there's a lot of little towns right there at the border of California and Oregon, and a lot of little seaside towns uh, where mm-hmm. we can sit. And the key is, is that in this time of year, it's warm, which is generally not the case up there um, mm-hmm. but it's warm and lovely and the redwoods are absolutely spectacular because um, the redwoods go right up to the the water's edge in some of those little seaside towns and it's just a crazy place to go sit in a cafe and look at the ocean see the redwoods just be in the forest uh, and hang out uh, and it's really this time of year that's the only time of year that's perfect to do that mm, that sounds really nice so um so, and when uh, we've finished marveling at this wonderful scenery and conversation turns as it does to marketing with us, Robert, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, this week we're going to talk a little bit about something. I've, 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 I've coined a new thing and Ooh. I have no idea if it's a thing or not, but I've, but I've, <laughs> I've definitely uh, coined something uh, different here and I'm calling it you know, it's it's the corollary to quiet quitting, and I'm, what I'm calling it is inadvertently indifferent. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it came out of this. So, and and again, this may be my Gen Xer or you know, <laughs> sort of age showing here, but there was a question that I asked a CMO uh, at a B two B technology company uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was surprised by my asking it because it's a thing that I've started to notice, but I hadn't actually ever asked a CMO about it. I hadn't actually asked anybody about it before, but I was earnestly asking. And what I, the question I was, was when did your marketing team stop caring? And the immediate answer to that is, what do you mean by caring? Like, you know, do they stop caring about their job or, or those Mm -hmm. kinds of things? And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, when did they stop caring to know more about the topic of the business that they work for? And I'll explain a little bit what I mean there. So, you know, and this shows a little of our age as well. When we were younger Mm -hmm. and in marketing, um, Mm -hmm. especially in B2B, this is especially true in B2B marketing, you know, let's call it the late 90s, early 2000s, even into 05, 06, 07, 08, you know, even into there, there were... When we worked at highly technical B2B companies, didn't matter where you were. If you were in marketing, you were excited and you were emotional about what the company did, the topic of the day. Even if you were in something like software as a service or cloud computing or, you know, uh, or, or, you know, analytics or, you know, I mean, any, any number of things, you know, B2B healthcare or B2B financial services, you were excited about the company. You learned about the teams, you learned about the competition, you learned about the industry. So everybody in marketing was kind of excited about it, right? You know, I Mm -hmm. remember distinctly going to these team meetings where, you know, you'd make fun of the competition and there'd be darts that you'd throw at the competition at the wall. (laughs) And everybody was, you know, we treated it like a rival sports team, right? It was, there was a lot of energy around that. And what I'm noticing over the last year or so is that B2B marketing teams, they just don't care that much anymore about the business that they work for, right? It's, it's, and, it, and again, it's not that they don't care about marketing or they don't care about their jobs 
or that they believe that the business is mistreating them in some way. It's just, yeah. they don't have much interest in learning the topic. And, wow. and, and I'll give you an example of this. I, I, I talked with a, a senior director who'd been there for mm -hmm. many years, one of the largest cloud infrastructure companies in the world. And I said, I'm fascinated with the evolution of this technology. Can you give me a primer on the space, your competition, what's going on in the market? Because I just haven't been following it very closely. And he yeah. said, oh, yeah, I can put you in touch with one of our subjects. I actually don't know much about it, right? I don't know. You know, my just my all my only job is to get make sure leads get into the funnel. And it wasn't that he was trying to be difficult or anything. He just didn't care that much. Wow. And this is the thing I find that B2B marketers are mm -hmm. kind of looking at their jobs in these, you know, highly technical or sort of specialized companies. They look at them like they would a puzzle, right? It's, like, it's intellectually stimulating, right? There's internal challenges and chess pieces they have to move around in the creative process and data and measurement. And it's a puzzle for them to figure out. And the puzzle is only good so that they can either level up in their, you know, their current job or so that they can actually move on to another job or whatever they're doing. But there's no interest. There's no right. curiosity about the products or the topic of the business. Yeah. And then I started asking myself, well, does it, does that matter? Am I just old? Am I just, I get off my yard guy, right? You know, and, and, <laughs> and yeah. does that matter? Yeah. I found a blog post and this is something we talked about in our little community a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Ardeth Albi, who's a, an amazing, wonderful uh, B2B marketing leader, and she quoted a recent research study that found there's a 1%, meaning one per, meaning none, nobody, basically, 1% of C-level buyers, that's CMO, CFO, CIO, COO, CEO, etc., that believe that current B2B marketing shows any meaningful understanding of the human experience. And... Wow. Basically, what that means is that B2B marketing today is dry and it's beige mm -hmm. and it's as tasteless as a bowl of dry <laughs> oats, right? I mean, it, you know, sure, it might be healthy for you and intellectually, you know, healthy, but yeah. there's no human connection to it at all. And then the study also found that 74% of these C-suite buyers, they want that emotional connection. They're looking for an emotional oh, wow. connection. They 91% yeah. want to want people to show a provocative, challenging, thinking, point of view, perspective on the world. And so my question back, and this is where I come back to my CMO colleague that I asked, you know, when did marketing stop caring, was I said, you know, if we want B2B marketing to have an opinion, to consistently generate emotions, mm. to demonstrate some understanding of the human experience, shouldn't our marketing teams have a little of the same? You know, yeah. shouldn't they have a point of view or have emotion or be able to demonstrate understanding of the business because I, yeah. I feel like it's important. I, I can't prove it. I have no data to prove it, but it feels like I, it's important. I think you're so, I, yeah, I think you're right. Cause it's human to human, isn't it? And that's, um, you know, if you're writing something and you're passionate about the fact that your cloud software platform, whatever is the best in the world and everybody else is shit, you're going to, yeah. You're going to write with that sort of passion, aren't you? And you're going to go to my... I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm lucky I could sidestep this slightly because I've always worked with my marketing career. I mean, the sort of time period you're talking about back then, I was in... I was actually a technologist and then I was in pre-sales and, and stuff back then. And, and I remember when I was at Vignette and one of the big conferences we had, we actually dragged out all the competitors. It was when Gladiator first came out, the very first sure, Gladiator yeah. film, and they dragged them out as slaves and whipped them and stuff. And then oh, the no. fat, oh, yeah, no. and then 
<laughs> and the founder like got a chainsaw. That wouldn't work out. today, that's for sure. No, and then the founder got a chainsaw out and sawed our big competitor's logo in half. You know, it was all that you know bravado. So yeah. some of that's yeah. a little bit too. Some of that's a little bit too much. But I think you're right. We, we it was it was much more like that. But the the other thing, I, the reason why I can sidestep is because. I've always worked in marketing technology, B2B marketing technology in my marketing career. So therefore, there, you know, I'm, it's marketing for marketers. So therefore, you know, people have a passion for the craft. But I think you're right. The professionalism of marketing in a way is good. People are passionate about being marketers and getting those processes in and making the thing work. But they still need the passion for the thing they're marketing. And that's what you're saying, is it? They can have a passion. I think it's, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, and that's my question because I don't yeah. have a good answer for this yet. Because if yeah, you look yeah. at the, if you go look at the research, right? There's tons of yeah. research on employee engagement, right? Yeah. You know, Gallup does a study every single year. It's a really good research study, and yeah. you know, they found that right now, 2023 and 2022, I think is the latest yeah. version of it. Um, you know, stress is as high as it's ever been. Only mm. 20% of employees are engaged in their work. 33% mm. of them feel like they're thriving. So. Yeah. there's a real, you know, the quiet quitting thing is, this is why it's different than quiet quitting, right? Because yeah. it's not about uh, quiet quitting here, which is basically only doing the minimum amount of one's job to put in no yeah. more time or effort than enthusiasm than necessary. I don't think it's that because I think in many ways, most businesses are starting to, or attempting to at least deal with that. It's, mm -hmm. It's a very sub, it's a small subset of that, which is they just don't care about the topic. They don't care yeah, about yeah. the business, yeah. right? They don't care about the details of their space. And yeah. that's why I call it this inadvertent indifference because it's a, you know, mm. it's really hard to know. Is it because businesses no longer take the time to continually do things like, you know, roll out the gladiator or tear the thing in half mm. or get people excited mm. about it? Or it may be that just newer, younger employees just don't feel like they have to have a lack of or an interest in the you know the topic and so to me as in you know uh, I, I can't you know to your point I, I can't imagine going to work for a company where I didn't have an interest in what it is they did yeah, right I just yeah. especially yeah. in marketing right I just yeah. I have to be interested in order to be an engaged and happy employee. I have to be interested in the space, at least somewhat, you know, have a curiosity about it. I mean, one of the things I love so much about my consulting practice is that I get to learn about so many different industries. You know, I am interested in how rain gutters get assembled and manufactured and, you know, and, and, yeah, and put yeah. into, I'm, I'm interested in that, right? I'm, yeah. I'm interested in cloud technology and how it works and all those kinds yeah. of things, just because I'm interested about those things. So, it, it just feels like, are we not teaching it? Are we not inspiring as leaders or as employees? Or they're just, they just don't feel like it's necessary in today's world. I don't know what the answer is, but it feels like it needs to be there in our teams to give us at least an advantage, if not sort of a foundation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you also you need to have a passion for the success of your business, right? Is um, uh, you know, I, I I had a CEO once, and he got everybody stirred up because we we're all going to Chocolate Island, you know, and he had these phrases that he would use, and it would, you know, you 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 were vested in it. I mean, you don't have to be a suit. I mean, especially if you're in a B two B, a highly specialized B two B space. I guess. I mean, I've like I say, I've always been in B two B Martech, but I, I guess you don't have to be an absolute expert on whatever that thing that that widget does. But you need to have a 
feeling that well it's the best one out there and and we need to sell more of them than the next guy right and have that passion right is that what you're saying rather than just yeah. go through because you keep seeing you keep seeing and well, i think you're right sorry i was just gonna say the you know the, the 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 thing that comes to mind so when i was cmo of a very small startup software company and we were in a you know and you and i both come from this space so you'll yep. you'll appreciate this yeah. Web content management is perhaps the most boring topic in the entire planet. I mean, it is not sexy. He'd say um, that back. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and if you can imagine uh, kids out there in, uh, in, yeah. you know, in the CMO rock star land, it, it used to be even less sexy than it is now. So, um, so the point being, when I hired my marketing team, and I ended up hiring you know, 30 or 40 different marketers over my time there... I required, it was a team every Friday, we would have what we called a learning Friday lunch. And we would go in and we would talk about competition and we'd get people excited about it. And we would talk about the industry and what's going on and, and answer Mm -hmm. questions and get people involved and emotionally connected to us winning us, you know, us winning the, the, the idea. And it worked. It was, you know, people cared about the topic. Um, you know, and they might not have cared when they go home. I'm not suggesting that we need to build a religious cult or anything, but you know, I'm sure they didn't, you know, bring it home and talk about it at dinner with their, you know, significant others. But at least while they were at work, there was a curiosity and a interest in the topic, and I just feel like it's important. Oh yeah, and you see too much. I mean, especially, I mean, B two B gets a bad rap with the creativeness and imaginativeness of the marketing, right? But you do. I have seen teams where it's just a case of white paper done, tick blog post done, tick. You know, here's the social done, tick. Onto the next thing, onto the hamster wheel that I keep referring to, and off we go. And there's no care of the 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 the, the, the um, subject matter and how is it going to change somebody else who reads it is it going to answer their need all that stuff right that you would have Indeed. to have a passion for if you understood the topic yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. And, and and but um wow we, we, that that's that's quite a big topic topic and as a cmo myself a call to action i think and i need to make sure that i take that uh, into the office on monday and it, for that kind of call to action, these inspiring words, well, where else can people find this kind of thing? Well, you'll find it at the wonderful contentadvisory.net. That's our little home on the internet, as your regular listeners will notice. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where you're going to find me talking about all that kind of stuff. Lovely. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Uh, find me and connect with me on LinkedIn. Always a great pleasure to connect with people, listeners of the show and all of that. Also answer any questions that you've got. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, in our wonderful little community, experienceadvisors.io, which I would encourage anybody who wants to come and join us. We're having a lot of fun over there talking about these very topics. Splendid. And, yeah, it is an absolute joy. And I... Um Yes, and I'll include links to all those things in the show notes. But most importantly for me, selfishly, are you going to be in the bar next week? Of course I will, and I hope you've got some more German (laughs) reggae to lead us out of here. I have no idea where I'm going to find that. But thank you very much, mate. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Robert. And the little surprise bit of German reggae at the beginning there was from the band Seed and their track, Orstein. 
So that's a wrap on episode 166 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Riaz and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or (laughs) just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff will be back in the studio and we'll be discussing some of the nominations for the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool. I'll be chatting with Sarah Kimmel of CMS Wire about their recent state of CMO report. And Robert will be back in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you'll again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.